Is the judgment something we should still be concerned about today? And if so, when does it take place? We'll explore those questions and more today in episode 11 entitled, The Time of the End. Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you find answers to the big questions of life so that you can live a life of influence that ultimately impacts the world for eternity. Each week, we will explore a different chapter in the story of humanity that centers around Jesus Christ and culminates at His second coming. Whether you know Jesus already or are simply curious about what the Bible has to say about the end of the world, this podcast has something for you. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker. Have you ever had to stand before a judge because you were accused of committing a crime and breaking the law? I know I have. When I was in college, I got arrested for possession of marijuana. Several weeks after my arrest, my day in court finally arrived. There were other cases in front of me, so I had to wait and listen as each person came up and received their judgment. Depending on the circumstances of the crime, some received more severe sentences than others. But the judgments were all mixed with mercy because everyone was admitting their guilt. Finally, it was my turn to step up before the judge. The judge repeated before the court the crime I had been charged with and then asked me if I understood I was giving up my right to defend myself. I acknowledged I was waiving my rights and publicly admitted that I indeed committed the crime and was guilty of breaking the law. After a brief admonishment, the judge then told me my punishment would be six months probation, and if I satisfactorily met all the terms of my probation, my record would be cleared, and the court's eyes would be as if I had never committed the crime to begin with. I happily accepted the terms, and six months later, my record was cleared. As I reflect on my experience, it causes me to wonder about standing before the ultimate judge one day. Have you ever thought about it? Will this really happen? Will we actually have to stand before God? Well, just think about it. The only reason there is need of a judgment here on earth is because we have laws. Now, when those laws are broken, there has to be a consequence for breaking them or else no one would respect them. Thus, judgment is essential for maintaining the integrity of the law. Without judgment, the law has no power. It would be as if the law didn't exist at all. However, it is interesting that so many in the world today, while acknowledging human laws, teach or believe that God's law has somehow been done away with. They teach all Ten Commandments are no longer binding on Christians, or anyone else for that matter. Now, to a reasoning person, this makes absolutely no sense. But in the Christian world, many have heard statements about the law being done away with for so long that they don't connect the dots to what it's really saying about God. Is God a God of order, or is he a God of chaos and anarchy? If Jesus came to set up the kingdom of heaven here on earth, then what kingdom is there that doesn't have government and law? And if God doesn't have law, then 
what is sin and why did Jesus have to die on the cross to pay for it? And if God doesn't have law, then why does Jesus and the Bible repeatedly speak about a judgment to come? Are we really to believe that there is not going to be a day that we're going to have to give account for how we lived our lives here on earth? It is interesting because in the book of Daniel, the Bible describes another judgment, an investigative judgment taking place that is different from the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20 that we discussed in episodes 8, 9, and 10. This one is taking place in heaven before the millennium, while the great white throne judgment happens on earth after the millennium. We can read about this judgment in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 9. It says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. Notice this judgment involves all of heaven. The Father is seated, and the angels are crowded around in the courtroom. Finally, the books are open. Thus, all humanity is represented as being there, not in person, but through the written record of their lives. Their thoughts, their motives, their actions are right there for everyone to see. Yet one person seems to be missing. But let's keep reading in verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds in heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one that shall not be destroyed. Of course, the Son of Man is none other than Jesus Christ himself. As the court is seated, Jesus comes in to defend the righteous, to defend those who have put their trust in him and his blood for their sins. This is the judgment that determines the final number that will make up the kingdom of heaven from the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. Every name written in the book of life must be examined. However, Jesus is there not as a disinterested trial lawyer, just looking for evidence to bring before the judge to keep people out of heaven. Rather, this is a passionate lover and friend defending those who gave his life to save. Those who he defends are those he knows. He's not defending strangers. He's defending those who have made it their habit to abide in him. Revelation 3 describes more detail in verse 5, where Jesus says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. 
As you can see, the judgment is all about Jesus confessing before the Father and all the heavenly hosts, those who he knows, and denying those he knows not. Thus, you or I can say we know Jesus, but that is not what matters in the judgment. The judgment is all about Jesus knowing us. I can't imagine a worse thing in the world than believing I know Jesus when in fact I don't. So how can we know that we know him? Thankfully, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now it just makes sense, doesn't it? If we know him, we will keep the law not out of fear, out of love he died to take away our sin and sin is transgression of the law he died not just to take away part of our transgression but all of it the bible tells us for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point he is guilty of all for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Thus, another way of saying it would be that he died so that we might be free to keep the law. James here calls it the law of liberty. And since the law is simply a reflection of God's character, he died to bring us into harmony with himself. He died so that we could become one with him as he is one with the Father, that we all might be one together. Thus, the judgment here is just confirming that process. Those who have become one with Christ through his blood now become one with God forever. Thus, judgment is made in favor of the saints. But when does this happen? We've already seen that this judgment is different from the great white throne judgment, where the guilty from all ages stand before God before being thrown into the lake of fire and dying the second and final death. Now think about it. Before Jesus comes, doesn't he already know who will be saved and who will be lost? We actually don't have to guess about this. Revelation 22, starting in verse 11, tells us he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. Can you see it now? This pronouncement is made prior to Jesus' coming. At this point, the judgment in heaven is over. The kingdom of heaven has been determined. Christ has received that which he gave his life to save. His purchased possession now justly and legally belongs to him, and he's coming to get his bride. However, there's one caveat we haven't yet discussed. If judgment begins before Jesus comes again, actually has to take place while people are still alive here on earth. Both the young and the old, the rich and the poor, and people from every nation are going to face judgment at the same time. 
Now, do you think that is something most people would want to know? I mean, most people barely believe that there's a judgment in the afterlife, let alone one that could be taking place any time now. Now, God is no stranger to judgments. In Genesis, God predetermined he was going to destroy the world by a flood 120 years beforehand. So it didn't just happen one day without warning. In fact, he sent a messenger, Noah, to preach. And he also sent a means by which anyone could be saved, the ark, so that no one had any excuse for being lost in the end. So in these last days, God sends a message through the prophets. We are told in the book of Daniel that at the time of the end, the prophecies contained in the book would be unsealed and understood. One of those prophecies pronounced, And he said unto me, For two thousand three hundred days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Now, we don't have time to go into depth about this verse in the podcast today, but needless to say, this cleansing here refers to a judgment. It would be a definite time, according to Daniel, when the judgment would begin. And just as in Noah's day, the world needed to be made aware of it. So how were they to be told? Well, the book of Revelation tells us exactly what this message will be through the message provided by the three succeeding angels found in Revelation chapter 14. These messages are often referred to as the three angels' message. We can read the first angel's message in Revelation chapter 14, starting in verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Now notice the message is not just for a church or a nation. This message is for the entire world. This message is for you. The gospel of the last days is preached the same as it always has been, but now it's preached in the context of time running out. You see, just as in sports, as it is in life, when we are aware that we have a limited amount of time, we make better and more decisive choices in how we spend it. The angel doesn't say that the judgment is in the past or the future. The first angel tells us the judgment is present. It is present truth that we need to consider that the judgment is taking place right now. God wants you to be ready for the judgment so that you can be ready for Jesus when he comes in the clouds of glory surrounded by the heavenly host. He doesn't want you to be afraid. And if you know him, there's really no need to be. But if you don't know him, there is still time. There is still hope for you to get to know him. Christ accepts you just as you are. Nothing you can do will ever make him love you any less. And yet, as his child, the message goes out to every one of us. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven the sea and the springs of water. God wants 
us to respond to the message with an attitude of worship and gratitude for the great salvation that he's given to us. And he's telling us not to take it for granted any longer. But he cannot, will not force us to confess and turn away from our sins. That is a choice only we can make. However, knowing the time, can we really afford putting off making this decision to fully give our lives to him any longer? Again, the Bible tells us, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now suppose I'm sleeping and wake up in the middle of the night. What is the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to look at my phone to see what time it is, of course. And if the time says 2 a.m., well, I'm probably just going to roll over and go back to sleep. But if the time says 6 a.m., then I know it's time to get up and get ready for work or I might be late. You see, knowing the time makes all the difference in the world. Friend, God's door of mercy is still open today through the blood of Jesus. The gospel is being preached to the whole world, but soon the end will come. In the meantime, though, we can have assurance that if we have accepted the invitation and put on the righteousness of Christ, that we have nothing to fear in the judgment. In fact, Jesus says it this way, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Isn't that beautiful? Friend, won't you come to Jesus today? Won't you ask him right now to write your name in the book of life if you haven't done so yet? Thanks for listening to this episode of Adventology. Our goal on this podcast is for you to be ready for Jesus. And the best way to be ready for Jesus is to spend time getting to know him. Knowing Jesus is everything. That is why we spent the time today studying the investigative judgment. But don't just take my word for it. Study it out for yourself. And for a hands-on experience, I encourage you to check out our website, adventology.com, where you can get a transcript of today's episode along with any of the previous episodes we've already published. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page where I just created a group for listeners of this podcast called Adventology Study Center, where you can ask questions about anything we covered in today's episode or any of the previous episodes, or just interact with me directly. Also, if you haven't rated us on iTunes yet, please do it now. It really makes a difference and helps others find this podcast. All right. Well, I enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to seeing you back here next time on episode 12 when we will study the difference between law and grace 
and why they are not mutually exclusive to one another. Maranatha. <laughs>